Hello lovely, it's so good to be with you today. You know, when I discuss first foods, plant-based whole food eating with people in the body of Christ, there are several questions that keep on coming up. So today I'm going to address some of those questions. And one of the questions I'll be answering is one I have been asking God to answer for me. And that is, why is God leading his people back to a plant-based, whole food way of eating at this time. The question of why plant food, I've already covered in other episodes. The question today is, why now? If you have any questions that you'd like answered, I'd love to address them in a future episode. You can leave your questions in the comments, or you can email me at life.thegoodway at gmail.com. You'll find the email address in the notes for this episode. Welcome to The Good Way with Jenna Jandro, integrative nutrition health coach, master herbalist and essential oil specialist, a part of The Good Way Ministries Incorporated. I'm Jenna Jandro. I'm a Bible-loving, food-loving, totally sold-out-for-God Christian woman, serving God in my church and community with everything that I am and helping others to do the same. You know you're called to serve God in a unique way, but feel pulled in so many directions and can't seem to find the time and energy to focus on what God is calling you to. I'm here to help you take back control of your health and wellness, to find the energy and focus that you need to achieve the things God has put on your heart through biblical nutrition, intentional living, and building right relationships. If you're ready to move from just surviving to thriving, then grab your green smoothie and come walk with me along the good way. Over and over again, I get asked the same questions and come up against the same points of resistance when it comes to plant-based whole food eating. People will quote scripture to me to prove that God wants them to be eating meat and lots of it, practically declaring that eating meat Any meat, but particularly pork or bacon, is proof positive that they are walking in the spiritual freedom of the new covenant. The problem is that most of these scriptures are being quoted out of context. Today, I want to address some of those questions and also bring some of those scriptures back into context. I also want to re-emphasize that the good way is not about all or nothing thinking. It's about encouraging you to choose foods for the blessing and benefit they carry rather than for comfort and convenience. And to increase the amount of blessing-filled foods a bit at a time until you're receiving the health and wellness benefits you desire. My youngest child was a natural vegetarian. By that I mean that they never liked eating meat, even as a baby. They chose not to eat meat, and I was okay with that. At the time, I was still eating meat once or twice a week, but I was happy for them to eat plant-based foods, as I knew the health and wellness benefits of doing so, and I knew how to provide nutritionally balanced plant-based meals for them. When they were in their early teens, They stayed with some friends of mine for a few days, and while they were there, one of these friends decided that they should be eating meat and applied so much pressure 
that my child gave in and ate it. They didn't want to, but they felt like they had no choice, and then they spent the next few days in tears. This person believed that they were doing the right thing spiritually for my child, despite seeing how traumatic it was for them. They seemed to think that to not eat meat was somehow anti-Christian. Thankfully, not all Christians have the same attitude about eating meat as this person, but it's still considered an unwritten tenant of the church that eating meat is our God-given right and eating pork or bacon a sign of our spiritual freedom in Christ. So let's have a look at some of these scriptures and the questions they raise for believers with regard to plant-based eating. The first question we're going to address is one I get all the time. Didn't God give all meat to us for food? And the simple answer is yes. In Genesis 9, 1 through 3, it says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then he went on to say, The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens and upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hands they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. So now let's put this in context. In episode number 23, we looked at the four major dietary changes for mankind in the scriptures and in modern history. Now, this was the second one, the second major dietary change for mankind in the scriptures. This statement God made shortly after the flood had ended and Noah and his sons and their families had come out of the ark. So let's look back at what happened prior to that. In Genesis 6.3, it says, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, his days shall be 120 years. And then God said he was not going to tolerate man and he was going to wipe out all of man and he brought about the flood on the earth. And the only people that were saved were Noah and his sons. Now, the 10 generations recorded in scripture prior to the flood had an average lifespan of 918 years. After the flood, in the next 400 years, their lifespan dwindled, came down from 600 years with Noah down to 120 years in the 10th generation after the flood. Very dramatic decline in lifespan. And the one thing that God did that could have brought this about was giving man meat to eat. This is the one major change that occurred that could possibly have brought about this reduction in their lifespan. We've seen it in studies that have been done here in modern times, where they have studied generations of populations and their lifespan based on their diet. And those populations that ate 
the least meat or ate a vegetarian diet were the populations that lived longest. And when their descendants started eating a more modern a more modern diet that included more meat and processed foods, that lifespan reduced dramatically. So yes, God gave us meat to eat. But unlike with the green plants, he did not declare that it was very good. It would appear that the introduction of meat into the diet was the medium through which God brought about the reduction in lifespan that he spoke of prior to the flood in Genesis 6.3. I would say to you here, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. The second question I want to address is this. Didn't God show Peter all sorts of animals and tell him to kill and eat? And the answer to this one is yes. And then again, no. Let's have a look at this passage. This is the vision that Peter had when he was on the rooftop. He was hungry. And while they were making something for him to eat, he had a vision. And he says, I saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now I want you to be aware of something here. Three times, God said to Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter's response three times was, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. The reply, what God has made clean, do not call common. Now, it goes on to say, now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Now, the mainstream focus of this scripture is that the vision pertains to what food is considered clean. But that's not what the scripture says. It's certainly not how Peter perceived it. Three times he refused to kill and eat the food that was shown to him. And he was perplexed by the vision and sought for understanding. And the interpretation that he received from the Lord had nothing to do with food. And that interpretation is repeated three times throughout scripture. The first time I just read to you, it's in verse 19 and 20. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. 
Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. The second time we see in verses 28 through 29, when Peter has entered into Cornelius's house, Cornelius is a Gentile. He is not a Jew, and therefore it is not right, according to the law, for Peter to enter his house. But he did so because, he says, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I ask then, why have you sent for me? And Cornelius goes on to tell him how he'd been an angel had come to him in a vision and told him to seek for Simon, who was called Peter, and told him exactly where Peter was staying, and that Peter was to teach them whatever God put on his heart. And Peter did. He recounted to them the gospel, and the result was that while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. The next time we hear um, the interpretation of the vision is in the next chapter, Acts chapter 11, verses 4 through 18, where Peter recounts to the church, to the uh, brethren and all of the other apostles, what God had done. He recounts to them the vision and says, And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men, arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. He then goes on to say in verse 17, If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard these things, this being the brethren, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. If you will notice, in all three times that we are given the interpretation of the vision, not once is food mentioned. This is about receiving those who were once considered unclean by the Jewish people as being a part of the family of God and inheritors of the kingdom of God. The third question I get a lot is, didn't Jesus declare all food to be clean? 
in Mark 7.19. So this verse, there's a little bit of controversy about it because there is a statement in parentheses at the end of this verse that is not found in the original texts, it's not found in the original Greek texts, and it's only found in more modern translations. The verse in the modern translation says, Since it enters into the heart, but not the stomach, it is expelled. And thus, Jesus declared, all foods clean. And thus, he declared all foods clean is in parenthesis. This parenthetical statement is attributed to Mark by some. Others say that it was added after the fact. First, let's look at this verse in context. The conversation that was happening um, prior to this verse was Jesus talking to the Pharisees uh, or because they had been having a go at his disciples for not ritually washing their hands before eating bread. The Pharisees had taken their tradition, which was a man-made tradition of ceremonially washing their hands before eating bread, and had made it more important in their own eyes than the actual commandments that God had given them. And Jesus' response to them was, this people honours me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do you worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. He then goes on to say that anything that you put in your mouth, even if your hands have not been ritually washed and therefore there might be dirt on it, goes into the stomach and then through the eliminatory tract and is sent out into the sewer and all of the food is purged. Therefore, whatever goes into the mouth cannot make you clean, but what comes out of the innermost part of the being is what makes you unclean. Nowhere in this passage does Jesus say that all food is now clean. Nowhere in this passage does he do away with the Levitical law regarding food. And in fact, Jesus clearly states in Scripture that he has not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it and to perfect it. And that even if the tiniest mark or letter is removed from the law by someone, or they teach others to do the same, that it would not go well for them. Jesus did not declare that all food was clean at that time. And this parenthetical statement saying that he did is not found in the Greek text. So let's have a look at that. The Greek text, when it's translated, says, because it does not enter into the heart, but into the belly or the abdomen, and then it's discharged out into the sewer, therefore purging all the food. This is a very different thing to making all foods clean. The other thing we need to think about with this verse is that if Jesus had said at that time that all food was now clean, then Peter's vision just doesn't make any sense. And particularly not when three times Peter refused to kill and eat food that was not clean or that was common. If Jesus had said this when he was still alive, 
then when this vision occurred, which was after Jesus had died and risen again, then Peter would have no problem killing and eat that, eating that food because he would have known already that it was clean. But three times he refused to eat that food. So I think we can safely say that this parenthetical statement, because it does not appear in the Greek text and it does not occur in any of the other Gospels, is something that has been added after the fact. The next question is this. Didn't Paul say that eating only vegetables is a sign of being weak in faith? And the answer to this one is yes, and then again, no. Romans 14 needs to be looked at in context. In verse 1 it says, As for the one who was weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. This passage of Romans 14 is being written to the believers in Rome. These are Gentile believers in Christ. They are not subject to the Levitical law. What he is talking about here is food that has been offered to idols. In this context, he says that if you know that the food has been offered to idol, do not eat it. But if you were invited into someone's home and they put food before you, eat it and give thanks to God and bless it in God's name. So here he's talking about those people who have a strong faith and are able to do just that. And those people whose faith is not so strong, who choose to eat only vegetables so that they will not be defiled by meat that has been offered to idols. The message of this passage is not about whether we sh you should eat meat or not eat meat. The message of this passage is to not be judgmental of others or a stumbling block to them. And that whatever you do, you have to do according to your conscience before God whether it's to eat only vegetables so that you will not be defiled by food that is offered to idols, or whether you have the strength of faith to recognize that those idols have no power in them at all, and therefore the food can be eaten with thanksgiving to God. But he does go on to say that if you eat and drink and in doing so cause a stumbling block to your brother, it is better that you don't eat and drink. This is another one of those occasions where we have to remember all things are permissible, not all things are beneficial. So the next question that I get often is, doesn't the Bible say that all food is given by God for our blessing? And this one is a hearty no. You will not find this in the scripture. There are specific foods that it says are given as a part of the blessing of God, and they are the plant-based foods. There are other foods that are given that are actually given to bring about a result, which was the shortening or the diminishing of the lifespan of humankind. The scriptures say, I set before you blessing and curse, life and death. Choose life. And we get that opportunity to choose to eat for blessing and benefit by choosing to eat the food that God gave us originally. 
and to eat more and more of it in each meal until we're receiving the blessing and benefit that we want to see in our lives. So why is God leading his people back to a plant-based whole food way of eating at this time in history? Why now? The original food God gave us to eat was for our blessing and benefit. Then when he gave the Levitical laws, they were about cleanliness and they were specifically to protect the people of Israel from sickness and illness as they were traveling throughout the desert. And throughout history, we see that the Jewish people, as they continued to eat according to the Levitical laws, protected from disease and illness throughout history, and particularly the plagues that wiped out many, many people, they didn't hit the Jewish people as hard because of the cleanliness laws that God had given them. And God, again, at this time, wants to protect his people. This time, from the many diet-related diseases and illnesses that are increasingly prevalent in our world today. The majority of the food available today is not as God created it. It has been manipulated and altered, modified to suit the manufacturer, processed and packaged for convenience and profits, to the point where many so-called foods have little to no nutritional value at all. The majority of what is available is no longer food, but rather food-like substances. Food has become so industrialized that the majority of people have no relationship to their food at all. Until recently, people grew their own food and what they didn't grow they bought from a neighbor or friend who did. They were intimately involved in caring for the plants and animals that would become their food, caring for the earth that sustained those plants and animals, and caring for the community that sustained them. The modern industrialized and fast food system is not from the Lord. How do I know this? Because it steals, kills, and destroys. It steals our health and wellness. It steals money out of the hands of those who can least afford it by giving them food for their money that has no real nutritional value other than calorie content. So we have an epidemic of people who are both obese and also at the same time suffering from malnutrition. It kills the number of diseases that are occurring due to food-related illnesses that are killing people like heart disease, strokes, diabetes, cancers. is just so much on the rise. It's just unbelievable. And it's only been in a very short period of time since food became industrialized. And it destroys. It destroys the planet that is our stewardship. It destroys the earth through its industrialized form of agriculture that uses pesticides and insecticides to kill the insects, to kill plants, to destroy the ecology. It wipes out huge tracts of rainforest to provide meat for the fast food industry. It's the enemy who comes to steal, kill and destroy. 
This is why I say this industrialized fast food system is not from God. And this is why he is calling his people to return to eating according to his original plan. Eating more and more plant-based foods that are eaten in as natural a form as possible. Organically grown heritage plants that are not modified or messed with in any way. God wants to protect his people from dying from these food-related illnesses, preventable diseases. He wants to protect his people from their enjoyment of life being diminished because Jesus came that we might have life and have life in its fullest. He wants to protect his people from the adverse effects of this food system on the world around them. Remember, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. We get to choose to eat for blessing and benefit and even increasing our intake of plant foods by one extra serving a day will increase the benefits and blessings that we see in our life. The more plant-based foods we eat, the more blessing and benefit we will see in our health and wellness. Now, I'm sure that there are questions that I have not answered today. If you have any questions about first foods and the biblical basis for plant-based eating, I'd love to answer those questions in another episode. You can ask your questions in the comments or email me at life.thegoodway at gmail.com. The link for the email address is in the notes for this episode. If this podcast has blessed or encouraged you in any way, then I'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to this podcast, write a review, and share this episode with anyone you think will also be blessed by it. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your social media page. And don't forget to tag me. I'd love to support you on your journey. You can come join me in the Goodway Community Facebook group, or click the link to let me know if you're interested in one-on-one or small group coaching you can support the Goodway Ministries and help keep this podcast on the air by going to www.patreon.com forward slash the underscore good underscore way. All the links are in the notes for this episode. And remember, it's a journey. You only have to take one step.